So welcome back to episode two of What the FUD, the podcast that is encouraging you to get out there and create. And today we have a very exciting guest, a good friend of mine and colleague in the business, Rick Guerrero with U.S. Mortgage. Welcome, Rick. Thanks for having me, Chris. So, Rick, tell us a little bit about your role at U.S. Mortgage and what you do. Absolutely. So I'm the uh, director of branch sales with U.S. Mortgage. I pretty much support the southeast region, specifically Georgia and South Carolina are the branches that we currently have. As we grow into uh, other markets, I'd be supporting those as well. And that support uh, is in variable categories. I, I help our loan officers with growing their business and helping them take their business to the next level, as well as helping them with their realtor partners. Awesome. Yeah, so that was one thing when I first met you. I just assumed you were a loan officer as well, because I don't know any other companies that really have somebody working with their loan officers to develop them, if you will. Right. And I am a licensed loan originator, uh, but it typically traditional mortgage companies, they have a branch manager that does all the roles that helps out with everything. They have to help the loan officer with helping grow their business, closing their loans or uh, working the pipeline, et cetera, et cetera. Well, my partner and I, when we started uh, U.S. Mortgage here in the Atlanta market, our goal was for both of us to do our strengths. His strength was getting loans closed and running an efficient pipeline and an ops team and supporting the loan officers in that arena. My strength was being out, talking to people, helping grow our business, grow our team, and support our loan officers. So how did you find yourself uh, in this business? Did you start in mortgages or something else? Well, my uh, my backstory, I, I, I guess now's a good time. I can just tell you where I started. So I moved to Atlanta, uh, shoot, nine, nine, ten years ago. And I, I moved to Atlanta for a girl. You know, I met a girl, fell in love. Uh, that always works out. <sighs> It, this one has worked out so well it is working out oh we have, awesome we have a baby <laughs> but uh she, she got a job at the cdc so there's with her skill set there's very few places in the world that she can work cdc was one of them at the time i was working in new orleans in a, a retail role a clothing store managing a clothing store and um, i asked to relocate to atlanta didn't there wasn't any opportunities available so i had to find a new career and i decided to uh open up an insurance agency. I opened up a state farm agency. I got accepted into their program, which is very challenging to do. Lots of hoops. It took me like six to nine months. Oh, wow. So did you know anybody in insurance before? Or was this your, you were just putting yourself out there? Uh, Kind of. So my dad was a real estate broker in Houston, Texas. And he had a good friend that was like a market leader with state farm. And they were looking for agents to grow out markets. So he kind of put the bug in my ear that I should explore this. And, uh, through a couple of small introductions, I started making some paths and, and found an opportunity. And, and it's a lot of interview process, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of steps to getting into State Farm. But long story short of it, because my story can go long winded, um, got into State Farm, uh, got into their training, and eventually opened up my own office. And my office was actually down the street from here. It was right on Montreal Road behind Kroger's. Oh wow, small world. Yeah, it, it, I had an office place space there. I did really well. And uh, I grew my business, I grew a team, I'd start from scratch. So I started from scratch in a city where I know nobody that's pretty much based on uh, working your sphere of influence. Well, if you don't know anybody here, you have no sphere of influence. And insurance, you have to sell to the state that you're in. I can't. Oh, certainly. So, I mean, I always give kudos to anybody who moves to somewhere that they've never been, right? I mean, growing up, I my dad was in the Air Force, so we lived in Germany, but obviously I wasn't in control of that. That wasn't like my decision. Hey, let's move to Germany. Um, and I've mostly grown up in Atlanta and stayed here because I, I love Atlanta. Um, I'd probably move to California if I had the chance, but 
the restarting, right? Where, you know, you don't know anybody and especially being in a, uh, a career like real estate, which is similar to insurance, you know, working that sphere. I know I'd have a certain amount of time to, that I'd have to rebuild, which is scary, right? So a lot of people probably don't make that move for fear. So um, I'm sure you you had that concern when you started this. Well, there was definitely fear there. I mean, I knew nobody here, but what I also knew is that uh, in retail, I would work six day weeks. I'd work, you know, 15 hour shifts. Like I'd, I worked and I grinded it out. And I had the belief that you can accomplish anything you want to if you just put the work in. Very true. So uh, in college, I was very involved with different organizations in uh, in, in the college. Um, I put myself through school. I worked two full. I worked one full time job and one bartending job and went to school full time, and barely had enough money to pay the rent and eat. Right. So I got involved with every single student organization under the sun because they had events at night with food. <laughs> so it sounds I was, like real estate today. I, I was a part of like the African Accounting Society. I was a part of like the Indian. Uh, tax accounting society. I, I was a part of everything just to eat. <laughs> so I, I knew that if I was able to do that and I was able to thrive in college in lots of different organizations with the multicultural people and ideas, philosophies, I, I, I didn't see that I couldn't do it here. I saw it as I can do it. I can do anything up on the line too. I've done it before. I can do this. Now, granted, it's a completely different scope, but I just saw myself being able to do the work. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you bring up a really great point, and that is that you know necessity really pushes you, hunger, if you will, and yours literally hunger, mm -hmm. uh, will push you to do anything and put yourself out there and work hard. Uh, something that I try really hard to instill with my kids. We'll see if it pays off, but um, that that truly is it's one of those gifts when we look back as uh, an older adult and when we're we found our place that we can be thankful that our parents didn't completely spoil us or always give us a safety net right well it's probably and you mentioned that's what you put on your kids i think that's also what my parents put on me you know my father worked two jobs worked a full-time job and a part-time job my mother also worked two jobs and we lived in a we didn't live in a poor bad neighborhood we actually lived in a really good neighborhood in houston uh, but it's because they worked hard so they instilled in me and my brothers and sisters to to work hard and uh don't take for granted anything you have yeah, that, that's as a parent, that's one thing that I think I always worry about, especially being where where my husband and I are now, just trying to balance it because we didn't grow up with things. Um, and so we, I don't know, you'll, you'll find as your well, daughter becomes older. It, it's really scary now because we live in a really good neighborhood. <laughs> we have a lot of things that I never had growing up. So it's really challenging now how to like minimize too much stuff for them. You know, we yeah. want to give them everything we didn't have. So, so you came here, you started your own insurance agency, was successful. How did that turn into a mortgage? Well, let me kind of take a step back and talk about how I got to become successful because I think this is really important to as we progress in the podcast. Okay. So moving into a new city where you didn't know anybody, I didn't know how to meet people the traditional way. So what I started doing is I went out to every organizational event that I can find out about. So I was involved with the DeKalb Chamber of Commerce, the Cobb, the Cobb Chamber of Commerce, the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, the, uh, I drove to NARIP, the- NARIP, ATL. NARIP, NARIP, ATL, yeah. I, I got involved with every organization that I can find on Google, right? I met uh, a gentleman that ran the Real Estate Connections event. Uh, I, I went to everything under the sun to That's meet- That's actually where I met you first, by the way. Do I don't know, know if you ever, I just remember because Justin introduced me. He's like, yeah, that's 
that's Rick. You should know him. Um, but I remember that was my first one in like, I don't know, October, September of 2015. Uh-huh. So, well, I stopped going cause I met you and I figured I, I, <laughs> I've capped didn't out any more business. After I've that. capped out on important people. I can't <laughs> hold anymore. No, but, uh, I started going to as many things as I could to, to meet my sphere of inf- my new sphere of influence. Right. And, and I say that because we'll, we'll talk later on the podcast about different topics, but depending on, on how you take those steps by being involved in these different organizations, there's a lot of different routes or opportunities that exist for you. So there were some opportunities for me to, uh, to go into leadership in a political sense within some of the Chamber of Commerces. They had a young professionals uh, like training development for, for politics. I don't remember exactly what it's called. And I, I met somebody there that I'm actually still good friends with today that's in, uh, that's in real estate, Tim Hur. Oh, yes. Yeah, Tim Hur. Shout we all, out we to all Tim know Tim, Hur. right? Uh, but I met him through, uh, I think, the DeKalb, uh, DeKalb County, not the Association, the DeKalb County Chamber of Commerce, something like that. And we met through this Young Professionals uh, for Politics workshop. But there's a lot of different routes you can go. I ended up just still focusing on my business, but kept a lot of these ideas in the back of my mind. Uh, did really well in insurance, as you said. How did I get to the mortgage business? Uh, for insurance, I strategized on getting, on focusing on getting business from mortgage originators, from loan officers and mortgage companies. I felt like they had the ability to drive the direction of the customer for insurance to me. So I spent a lot of time going to a lot of real estate events and also prospecting loan officers, going to real estate mortgage company offices and generating business that way. I uh, did really well. I was averaging uh, upwards of 100 policies a month, which is really good oh, in, wow. in the insurance business and primarily from mortgage referrals. Uh, over time, different mortgage managers would see me come into the office and talk with me and I became cool with them. And they would just kind of in passing ask me if I knew of any good loan officers out in Atlanta in the market that I could introduce them to. I didn't think anything of it. I so they were recruiting? Is that kind of what they were trying to do? Yeah, yeah I didn't think much of it. I thought they just liked to meet good people in the industry. I didn't realize they're actually trying to recruit them. Now that I'm in the industry, I understand the game. But back then I'm like, oh yeah, I can introduce you to -to so-and-so. And I just started connecting people thinking that like it was just connecting. I like to connect people. Uh, So they were trying to recruit them to their team, of course, but I didn't realize at the time I was just trying to connect people. Well, as time went by, um, a few mortgage companies started making me offers to come in and one role or another. And uh, I had a couple friends of mine that I worked with that I, I really admired that made a move to a mortgage company and they're pushing me to come with them and build out the Atlanta market with the goal and opportunity to go to a national type role. Uh, so the offer seemed incredible. It seemed good, too good to be true. Uh, at the time, it just seemed really exciting. It probably wasn't the safe route for my future and career, but it just seemed like a very exciting role that I could thrive in with the right people around me. You know, running your own business the challenge sometimes is like you, you run the business, the decisions are on you. You make a wrong decision. It's on you. That's also the exciting part, right? Yes. But the other end on this opportunity in the mortgage side, I would get to work with amazing professionals that like that mentored me and I looked up to and we can grow out something bigger and better. And that just really excited me. Yeah. So I hear you're using the words that I think a lot of people uh, use, especially when we're talking about FUD, fear, uncertainty and doubt. And that is, you know, the path you were on or the current situation that you were in was safe. People love safe. It's safe, you know, um, but you went with something that was exciting and probably brought passion, right? Brought you more happiness. 
and now we know the end, the end goal. But um, so take us through, you know, making that decision and, and where you are now. Yeah, it was a very tough decision. And even though I left that decision, it wasn't that it was a, this was right or wrong. They're both amazing opportunities. I just felt more of a calling coming into the mortgage side because I'd work along people that at the time were mentoring me. Um, even though I was in the insurance realm, I surrounded myself with people that were really good at what they do and I can lean on them and they would mentor me. And now I have the opportunity of working with some of my mentors. So it just seemed at the time really exciting for me. Um, this, the insurance opportunity, especially with State Farm, is an amazing opportunity. And anybody that wants to go direct in that direction, it's a great opportunity. It's, it's awesome. Uh, but just for me at that time, everything I weighed out, this just seemed very much exciting and very much more in my, uh, I don't know the right word is, in my uh, ideal, I don't know, in my dream. It aligned more with my, with my vision. Yeah. Right. With it, my it felt right. It, it felt more right, aligned right with me uh, for this time. So I decided to make the jump based on what the opportunity entailed, and it was, uh, you know, starting off, growing out the Atlanta market, and then uh, developing into a national role. And uh, I went to that mortgage company, and I was able to uh, to accomplish that. It ended up not working out the way I wanted, and then I had the opportunity to. So now that I was in the mortgage world, I had the opportunity of networking and getting to know other strong, amazing mortgage leaders in our industry. I wanted to say real quick, so something that's interesting that I'm I'm sure most people don't think about any of these careers that we're talking about from insurance to mortgage and even to a certain extent, real estate. Um, to hear now, some of our audience are real estate agents, but we're, we also just have people that are looking to get into business or, or in the community um, to hear people like saying my passion, mm-hmm. right. Or I was happy in a, a, a business like mortgage or insurance. Um, can you talk for a second about like, I can, I can say in real estate, like I love helping people, right. I love helping people find home, build wealth through home building. Um, what is exciting to you about the mortgage industry? It's a very good question. Uh, yeah, I, I probably would have, would have wanted some time to reflect on this one because I, off, off my gut, I'm probably going to say the wrong thing and then like hate it that I said. That's the hot seat. You're in the hot seat. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've had the ability to uh, to help in various roles in the mortgage industry. Uh, I've had the ability to go to our Congress and lobby to our senators and our congressmen about policies that are helpful for the homeowner. Uh, of course, you can do that in any industry. Just go to, go to D.C. and lobby. But I really am proud to be able to help families get in, accomplish the American dream of getting into their dream home. And uh, as a minority, coming from a background, you know, my parents did buy our home, but I remember at the time, I didn't think that big of a deal of it. But when they bought it, it was a big deal to them. And I see families now, I go to closings and I see how big it is to these families to be able to, to own their home. And to me, that's very gratifying being able to be a part of that because there's a lot of people here in America that don't understand that they have the ability to buy a home. So I'm also able to provide the education to them, but also be able to help them achieve it and be and be able to help fund it and be able to help to create and develop policies nationally to help more people get into homes. Yeah, in our previous episode with Larry Lowe, now Larry's not in the industry. He's... Uh... Uh, marketing analyst and he does a lot here in community um, 
politics and grassroots organizing. And he kind of spoke about this and I shared with him that, you know, there's a lot of people, even as a real estate agent, when you talk to people or people talk to you about buying a home that don't realize they're purchasing power or their, even their ability mm -hmm. to, uh, which is, you know, I don't have an easy fix. The industry doesn't have an easy fix to it. It really is just a visibility thing. Um, and I think, you know, things like podcasts, you know, the internet really is the gatekeeper of a lot of this information. And so uh, it's very powerful to be able to put that information out to a wider audience so that hopefully people can understand. And, you know, huge shout out to, to NAREP. Uh, I don't, you know, they're not solely responsible, but, you know, Hispanic homeownership has had huge gains. Mm -hmm. um, so that's very exciting and I'm sure we'll continue um, but actually, do you have a second to talk about NALREP and your, your role there? How, how did I have you... all the time you need, Chris. <laughs> so, so, you know, we were in your story where you were at the first mortgage company, right? Um, where does NALREP kind of fit into that timeline around so that time? when I was in insurance business, again, I went to every organization under the sun. And when I was in Houston, I was very involved with Hispanic organizations, whether it be business association, uh, real estate, I, I am Hispanic. So I went out and searched for NAREP Atlanta. And I, I uh, reached out, I spoke to a, a young lady uh, at the time, I believe she was the vice president, a lady named Helen Archer, so shout out to Helen Archer. Um, she spoke with me and invited me to one of the events. I came to an event, I had the privilege of meeting the current president at the time, Roberto Salomon, who I'm sure you, you know Roberto. I don't actually. You don't know Roberto? No. How do you not? He's like- We need to set up a coffee I'll have now. to introduce you. He, he is like the mover and shaker. He's a great person to know. Um, he's also involved with uh, another organization. It's like an international real estate organization. Oh, FIOPSI? Yes. He's very involved with FIOPSI now. So it's Christian Ross. And I think Christian is actually going to be on here in a couple of weeks talking about WCR. So. Yeah. So you'll you'll have to go to a FIOPSI event. But he at the time, he was president of NARUP. I met him. I met Helen. I met a lady named Teresa Palacio Smith. Yes. You know, Teresa, everybody knows Teresa. Yeah, she, she actually did an event for Nagarap like two weeks ago. She was our, our branding speaker. I heard about See, that. See, it's, it's a small world. Well, and I, I was privileged enough. That was probably the first core group of people I met moving to Atlanta. And I'm going to give another shout out to a, to per, a person that actually made it possible for me. So again, I went out looking for Hispanic organizations. I came across the Latin American Association, which is right there on a... Buford Highway. Buford Highway. So I went, I volunteered, and I was telling somebody that I'm getting into insurance and I want to get involved with uh, the Hispanic real estate, NAREP. I want to find the local NAREP, the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. And I was volunteering at some, I was doing, they'd make you take this class to prep you for volunteering. So I was doing the class to prep to volunteer, and I was talking to a lady, and she says, oh, well, if you're truly passionate about getting involved in NAREP, you have to meet this gentleman, Bobby Armas. Bobby Armis. I have, again, I'm brand new. I have no idea who anybody I don't, is. I don't know who he is. You know Bob? Oh, you got to no. meet Bobby. So I, I call Bobby Armis, don't know who he is. And uh, he's a closing attorney. He works with Kelly and Sorhan uh, up in Duluth. I call him up. I tell him I'm new to Atlanta. I want to get involved in NARAP. He's like, absolutely, let's grab lunch. Takes me to lunch, connects me with Helen, who then I meet Nar Robert, Nar uh, Roberto and Teresa, meet everybody. But it all kind of stemmed from me volunteering at a Latin American Association um, workshop and then being introduced to Bobby. And then before long, I'm super involved in NAREP. Uh, I serve on the board. I, did, I pretty much serve in every position. Um, yeah, when you what you do find when you volunteer, you get voluntold a lot. You know, it's like, oh, we have a live one. Bring them up through the ranks. And and there a lot of organizations are like that. I did want to, I know I keep interrupting you. Keep, keep interrupting. <laughs> but you, you keep bringing up really what's a great 
point, and that is that you know you put yourself out there, you put in the work, you you made the connections, especially being somebody that was new to the city with no existing connections, and you were welcomed with open arms. And I think that anybody could could do that. Um, it's just knowing to do that and putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. Like, are you? I'm an fairly introverted, even though I'm fairly, very social and out there. Um, I'm shy when I first go to meet people. So when I'm in a new room, uh, I feel a little like underlying anxiety, but I still put myself out there because I know that, you know, I need to do it. It's part of, of growing a business. And I've had great rewards, both in business and just personal relationships from doing that. Are you an introvert or extrovert? I think if you, if anybody that knows me and, and sees me probably it's clear I'm an extrovert, but I do go into the situations where I feel very introverted and I feel very shy and, uh, that I don't belong or I just feel like I'm being judged, right? I, I think that's natural. We all feel it. Um, when we get outside of our own circle that we're not comfortable with, you feel a little bit introverted. Very if, understandable. If you were to drop me off to, at some place that I didn't know before, like I would feel introverted. But I, my goal would be to talk to just one person, break the ice with just one person, and then hope that one, then another, then another, then another, and now I don't feel as anxious. But going back to a couple of things you said, uh, or I may just be going way off task, I don't know. But what, what's critical or was very important when I met these different people is that they were able to help me to go kind of go to that next step. So Bobby helped me meet somebody else. Then that person helped me meet somebody else. And, and Roberto, Teresa, Helen, Tim, all the people that we've named so far have been very helpful to me in, in one way or another, right? E either in a huge way, making a huge introduction or making a small introduction ends up being a big introduction. So I think it's critical to always remember that everybody you meet has an impact on you and can help you. And it's important that we do the same mm -hmm. because sometimes we forget when we get up that, uh, up to the next floor, we forget to send the elevator down for the next person. Yes, yes. Well, sustainable leadership, bringing up, you gotta make sure that as you leave, like for example, you were president in what year of NALREP? Oh, I don't remember. What? I should know because I had lunch with me. 14, 15? But anyway, so people had to come behind you, you know, and so if you had not brought people up behind you and other people had not brought people behind them, then, you know, you kind of, you know, stay in that position. And um, sometimes that's what people want. You know, we do have people who aren't good at handing it off, but it's great when you're able to grow and move on to something bigger. Um, and, and again, utilize other people to make a bigger impact. So I was president in 2015. Okay. And I can proudly say, Every year after me, it seems like they did a much better job. <laughs> well, you know, but that's a good thing. It is a great thing. I had lunch with, with Manny today. Shout out to Manny. And I was just telling him what an amazing job they've done over the last couple of years and, and really taken the organization to the next level. And um, I'm very excited and proud of, of everything that they've done there. And with any organization I've been a part of, you, you want to see it grow. You, you definitely... I know there's some that have the mindset that they don't want to see... They don't want to see an organization do as well as when they let it. But I don't. I want to see an organization do better, so it doesn't look like I wasted my time. Exactly, exactly. So you know, an interesting thing, and we're going to have Selena on this year's president. Um, she's in, on vacation this week, so we're going to reconnect when she gets back. But um, it just seems like an opportune moment to bring up. So speaking with Manny, you know, he said that you know NAREP, their big goal this year is to let people know that you don't have to be Hispanic to be a member. Um, and I remember when I first joined, and you were president at that time, but I didn't know. 
Um, I found out about you guys because you were throwing parties all the time, you know, events, which you still throw amazing events, by the way. Um, but my husband, being Hispanic, he's like, you, sh- you need to go in there. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm a white dude. And I'm going to show up at this e- at Hispanic real estate professional event. Like, I just felt whatever. So I wasn't unsure. I was unsure. I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to appropriate, right? Be a culture vulture. And, um, but anyway, uh, but the truth is, NARAP does want that, you know, and, and I think the other multiculturals too, like we're stronger together. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll probably talk some more about that with Selena when she's on. And that was my comment. Like, I'm sure NAGLAREP wants uh, straight people. I'm sure WCR yeah, wants allies. males. You know, it, it's just that their focus is empowering their niche, right? We all want to empower our niche, but we want to do it with the support of everyone. Exactly. That's my perspective. Yeah, well, and we don't operate in silos, right? When we're in those silos, then we never... And it kind of goes back to that thing of, you know, meeting people and and, and you also um, bringing people up. If we work in our silos, even, you know, as culturally, um, we can't have the bigger impact that we want. So, um, so back to, you know, you had your first, the first mortgage venture that you said wasn't a good fit. What wasn't a good fit at the time. Uh, every business is a little bit different. And I, I did what I could there and uh, had some strides, but ultimately... It just did not work out. And part, so the other part I think of success, and this is whether it's business or relationships, is uh, knowing when to let go. Yeah. So you kind of felt that. You know, you seem, re- Rick, you're like a doctor on this stuff. You know, you you, you make the moves at the right time. <laughs> um, you know, some people wonder if things like this are some big plan or do you just go, you know, with what you're looking at and when an opportunity knocks, you're open to it? You look it over and then you make a decision. That's kind of hard to say because I've really only made three moves in 10 years. That might be a lot for some people. One, two. I made two. Well, I guess my start at State Farm, I moved here. So three moves over 10 years. I mean, there's you can look up NMLS. There's probably mortgage people that make three moves in nine months. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but that, they're probably just moving for whatever reason. No, it, it kind of brings it up because, like, for example, you know, before I was in real estate, I was in marine biology. And, you know, there were a couple of things that kind of came together for me to think about leaving and making the move and, and real estate, you know, my family has a background in it from build, builders, architects, real estate agents. Um, and, you know, it just things lined up at the time. So it was right for me to move. But I've always said, you know, real estate sales that I'm in now are not the end game. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that some opportunity and there's been opportunities that are presenting themselves already that just weren't the right ones for me they weren't where i was going i mean there's even been opportunities in my leadership within you know the associations um that you know really opened me up to um one they give me great experience um and also they connect me with again connecting with people so something whether i go into development you know and 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 try to create you know a different type of housing um, you know, these are all opportunities that I keep my eyes and ears open for because it's, I'm not just looking at real estate sales. This is a much bigger picture. And, and anytime you're in business, I think opportunities are going to present themselves and you just have to be, um, looking around aware and open to them when they present themselves. You know, I think if you're good at what you do and, uh, and you show it like you you have a demeanor and we both do this. We both have a demeanor of ourselves when we go out into the community or to uh, different events that we're happy and we have a, a confidence level and not just knowledge, but confidence with ourselves and people like that. So of course we're going to have opportunities, present them to ourselves, to our, to us, right? Professionally. Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of opportunities in the mortgage space. 
there's nothing really that could push me to, to make a move from where I'm currently at. And I, I say that completely. I work with my best friends. I mean, you you know some of the people on my team. You know Cassidy. Uh, I think you might have met Natalia. I don't know if you've met JR or not. Uh, I've met him briefly once. Yeah. I mean, JR is one of my closest friends. We've hunted together. We work out together. I, I crashed at his house. Cassidy's a close friend. Like, they're family to me. Uh, and I mentioned those. That we have a lot of great people on our team. And it'd be really hard for me to even consider any opportunity because it'd be like leaving my family. Yeah, we were just talking on the phone before we decided, hey, let's record this episode instead of putting it off. And you had mentioned, because you had uh, lunch with Manny, who's uh-huh. on my team at Common Ground. And uh, it's, it's similar in that way. I mean, we are all just, we have so much in common from, you know, I mean, Manny's VP yeah. of NARAP. We've got people involved in, um, you know, the, the commerce. You guys have an amazing group of people at your office. There's a lot of agents we work with around the city that like I really like. Like, oh, here's one cool agent in this part at this company, blah, blah, blah. But at your office, like everybody's super awesome. Yeah, it, and it I, would, I would get no work done at your office. Like I'd just be chilling, hanging out, gossiping. Yeah. You know, so it brings up an, an interesting point. Um, I don't think you and I were talking about this, but a couple of days ago, somebody put something on social media about recruitment, and so you know, agents get recruited a lot by brokers, especially this time of the year when our last year's sales numbers were coming out, and people are thinking about, hey, what do I want my split or whatever to be? Um, one thing that I would say, I, I I'm not looking to move, but when I when people do try to recruit me, I want I want people to know like why do you think I should go with you? Mm-hmm. Like I I'm not a secret agent. My stuff is all over there. So if you pull me up on your roster and you're like, oh look, this guy did this much, and let me Google his name. Like you're gonna find out a lot about me and what makes me tick. I want you when you email me or call me to say, you know, hey, I uh, you know either do a personal connection or say our company you know works in this space and we really think that we would be a good fit for you. Because that's what, as a broker, you're doing is, you know, yes, you're recruiting agents to make money, but you're really trying to tell brokers or agents that you're the best service of a broker for them, you know, that that you are going to fit them and their clients' needs. I don't see that happen from brokers. I haven't had it yet. Yeah. Um, what about the mortgage space? It's pretty similar. I think that many uh, organizations in the real estate state world, it's kind of a, just a race of arms. Like everyone's just trying to stock up on people, right? I don't know if you saw uh, Inman a few months ago. They had to, uh, I don't know what the right word is, terminate a bunch of agents that on Keller Williams' roster because many of those agents, I think, were like ghost agents. They didn't actually do any transactions. They just had them on the roster so they can say that they had X amount of agents. And, and that's no knock on that organization. It's, it's just kind of what the industry has evolved into is that we're just in a, a higher race. And there's a lot of companies that just want to hire anybody with a license, real estate or, or mortgage. Uh, I, I don't know your realm, but that's just my perception based on kind of what I see. Oh, I would say it yeah, 100% pretty, pretty much is. Aligned, right? I mean, same thing for the mortgage. There, there's a lot of mortgage companies out there that uh, you can see when licenses transfer through the uh, NMLS. And you can see just like this person going from here to here to here. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know, we, we don't have a very massive, large team. We just like to work with people that have, uh, that fit culturally. We just want to work with good people. Yeah. Good people. So, so you guys, I, I would say are kind of like what I think that our team is and what I would look for in any broker, right? That, I mean, it is rare. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not common, uh, probably more like boutique feeling if you will, cause there's an actual culture rather than this corporate right. beast where you're just a number. Um, and it, it's so interesting because, you know, with our industries, 
you know, we are a relationship business. So when the loan officers, when the real estate agents are working with the public, the most successful ones have a relationship in some way with that client and they maintain it, which is how we, you know, we keep our future business going. Like the most successful agents, I'll say. Well, it's um, also the smoothest transaction, right? Yes. Oh, is it? Yeah, because they trust you. They don't second guess you. They do you know, you're their advisor. You. And that really is... So many people, whether it's been culture, um, you know, maybe the advent of Zillow to a certain extent, people just think that real estate agents are door openers, but it's like, no, that's like the most basic part of my job. The real thing that I do is I figure out what your motivations are, what your needs are, and match those to a property, right? And then not only that, but then keeping a deal together, you know, it's a process. There's a reason that it often takes 30 days for a loan to, you know, for a transaction to close. It's not only because we want it to be complicated and in and, and a process. I mean, there's just a lot going on and you also need to know about that property, have your inspection and whatnot. Um, but I just, it's interesting because I just don't see, you know, people who own brokerages, whether mortgage or re, um, real estate, do the same thing in their leadership role a lot of times. I mean, they're out there, but it just seems to be very much the minimum. Um, I will say that, you know, having the large numbers matter because they make it, you know, it's, a, it's an economy of scale. Right. So really the, the agents that produce benefit from the other people that are sort of putting money into the system, whether it's paying office fees at the office every month or like something in the Realtor Association. You know, we have Realtors are more active than just real estate agents. Uh, they have generally higher, more production numbers. But uh, even within the Realtor organization, I forget the numbers. I'm not going to try to quote it. But even in Realtors, you know, there are a large number that don't even close one transaction a year. Well, I'm going to try to pause this this part of the conversation because you're going to get me enraged. I'm very passionate <laughs> about being a realtor. Uh, and I'm very passionate about people working with a realtor. And that's just not because I'm a lender. Like, I'm, I'm very passionate. The, why would you not want to work with a professional if you're looking to buy a home? And I'm, I'm going to not call out my mom. I'm going to call her out <laughs> softly. Uh, a, few, a few years ago, my mom was looking to sell her house and she was going to do it through one of these online services, uh, knock or door, whatever those ones are out there. I'm like, mom, just work with the realtor, just work with the realtor. And it ended up being very contentious where I was telling her, begging her to pleading with her. And she's like, well, I want to get the most value. I'm like, mom, who's going to negotiate the most value for you? An internet company or somebody that lives in the neighborhood and can negotiate for you. And it ended up just being this big uh, battle. She ended up working with the realtor and I'm very thankful she did that. But that's the perception, unfortunately, that like some people have. And it irates me that we don't look that some people have the perception of the realtor and don't value them for the true value they have, right? Well, and that's that's true. I, I'm, and that I'm some real estate agents that don't become realtors. Like, why would you not? But I don't want to offend anybody on free, this podcast. Freedom, yeah, freedom, <laughs> freedom of market. But I will say, you know, that is something that I think it goes back to HGTV, you know, with all the shows over the last decade, they, they make us seem comical. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and then there's a certain amount where, you know, not all of us are great, do a great job or do the same level of job. And so, um, you know, maybe they, they just had somebody that didn't provide that level of service. And so they assume everybody is that way, but it's something that, you know, I take a lot of pride in. It's why I'm involved in leadership Mm -hmm. in the realtor organization, because, you know, we have a code of ethics and we we say that we're going to uphold it. Um, and for me, that's why I immediately got involved in leadership as soon as I got my license was, you know, I wanted to be a different level of agent, but also, um, try to provide training that I saw as a 
on the consumer side that I felt was missing from the real estate industry. So that, you know, that has been um, a lot of, uh, especially in the sustainability space of things. And, you know, the realtor associations have just been open with welcoming arms to bring that. But I think as we do a better job and we make it visible and people see us doing things, I think that grows. And especially Mm -hmm. as we make happy clients and then they share, um, but it is it is something that we have to tackle and you know there's friction points mm-hmm. um you know in certain points of the transaction and and interaction need to be simpler i actually so you know a lot of people are really anti zillow i i'm not necessarily i'm one of those people i'm like first of all if you focus only on you know complaining right or focus on what somebody else is doing you're missing the opportunity to go out and make right and zillow or you know, iBuyers, they serve a part of the market. I mean, I, I, I learned that from you know being in e-commerce back in the mm-hmm. day. Not every client is gonna be my client, whether it be you know, personality matches um, and, and just a, a plethora of types of options. And I don't need everybody to be my client. That's actually the beautiful part is there's an abundance of business out there. And um, I think too many of us uh, in our professions act out of scarcity right? Very protective. It sort of goes back to what you were talking about, getting out there and meeting people. And then those people, even though you might be competitors, we're introducing you to people, right? Because we all do better when we cooperate and when we uplift each other. It's that whole saying, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And too many people are, they they try to hog something and then it can't grow like you mentioned, right? right? It can't be better than when you started. You know, in the sustainability space is a big one. I know we've done some videos. Thank you for your support and, uh, you know, trying to increase visibility and awareness. But in that space, you know, that was my has been my baby, if you will, since I got into the industry to make our local realtor associations and members aware of what we have going on in housing stock and trends, right, with solar, with electric vehicles, with energy efficiency. And let them know it's here in the market now. We need to be educated on it. And we have great turnout to those events, as you've seen with some of them. But a large number of the agents that I do meet at some of those events, you know, they're very hungry for the knowledge. But when the way that they act once they have the knowledge is out of scarcity, they try to smother it. They try to own it and kind of live and like they're completely own it. And it's like, I could do that too. But the thing is, here I am, I'm volunteering my time to put a course together so you can come learn because I need you to know about it because we have to support the, whole, the market. I can't be everybody's agent. And the other thing is, you know, there's usually two agents on a transaction. If I got a listing and it has solar, I need you to understand and your buyer to understand the value of that solar. Um, and I think if more people in general, but especially in our industries, r- thought like that, we'd move things a lot further. Well, and one thing I want to add to that, um, Chris, you're like the, the epitome of a realtor. Like you go out and you learn and you take classes on how to be better, how to be more knowledge about the industry, but then you're also very involved in the community. You give back, you find out what's going on in the community. Like I had, I think a couple months ago, I asked you a question of what's going on with the mall or something. And you knew like, (laughs) I, you know, and what sucked about that mall is that (laughs) I knew things and had to keep them secret for a long time. So you didn't tell me the truth. No, no, by the time you asked me, it was all public. But like, for example, like when the Sears, you know, was under contract before they bought Sears, like I had to be quiet about that. And then like six months later, they were like, oh, it happened. So like knowing all these awesome things, 
uh, was kind of hard because it's like I know what's going on and what the long game is, and it's really exciting. Like they're putting again, they they were putting the groundwork in to do a, a project the right way, and all you heard the public was like, I don't see anything happening. Right, nothing's going on. Well, the point of my statement was, you are truly a professional in your craft and trying to Thank get you, better sir. at it, but then you're also an exceptional realtor for your clients and trying to get the best home for them and their family and the best and negotiate the best deal. Like you got to kind of be a little bit of everything. And, and be great at everything in order to help their client, help your client. And, and you do really good at it. If uh, if we can get more agents out like you and less in it just for themselves, I think that the realtor will be much more respected. Yeah. And, and you know, there are a lot of, and like, you know, Tim Hurry mentioned right. I mean, and a and bunch in of your others. Office, mostly everybody there. Yeah. And, you know, what's exciting. So, you know, I started this podcast to hopefully engage, you know, and, and there's, so this podcast does talk about real estate. But it also ties a lot into my community members. You know, again, Larry from my first episode was not, is not in real estate. Um, and then back to Tim, you know, Tim, her, they just started a, 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 a real estate. I guess it's a vlog. You know, it's called Wine About Real Estate. I like, did see with that. Wine. You know, and, and so as we create these intriguing shows and we have dynamic people and we're it just it raises that awareness. Right. right. So like, for example, even though I've had one episode like Larry, um, being who he is in the community, um, knew a lot of people. And we just had, we had an awesome conversation, just like we're having here. You were kind of nervous at first. And I said, trust me, it's just going to, it's just going <laughs> to flow. Um, and it's, you know, it's very conversational. So it might feel like it rambles, but it's like we're having, we're having conversations. It's like we're hanging out. It's but, like our normal conversation. Exactly. We're, we're kind of all over the place. Exactly. <laughs> we're both a little ADD. But like with Larry, um, you know, it got shared massively. And I mean, I have like uh, politicians and uh, candidates running for office that have heard it now. And like they love that we talked about affordable housing. So you just never know who's going to hear. And hopefully, even if it can be one person per episode that kind of takes something from it, that's amazing. Right. And that they get out there and try something. Uh, whether it's business, whether it's running for office, whatever it is, going going to a NAREP meeting because they right. had never heard about it before. We also talked about the multiculturals. You know, even a lot of real estate professionals don't know that the five multiculturals exist. So, yeah, so I, I didn't know that some of them existed. No, I didn't know. Maybe it, I kind of found out quickly, but again, I, I was putting myself out there kind of like you were. Well, I found out about NAGLAREP when you got involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so see, I mean, you... You kind of have to know somebody and they have to be talking about it. That's true. And so we just have to kind of feed each other in that way. So back to community engagement. So you now live in the neighborhood um, for the last two years. Is that when yeah, you moved two here? Years. So um, does this podcast have any pull on getting? Yeah. So that was, the, that's what I was going to say. So this podcast does have a lot of audience members from the North DeKalb area. Good. So I was shocked um, because when you told me you were trying to get into Twin Lakes pool, yes. that there was a five year waiting list. I said, BS. Well, that's what my wife told me. So you take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Well, no, apparently it's true. Cause I reached out to people that I knew I made a social media post and said, right. Who, who's a member of this pool. And it's true, but I'm like, wow. Cause the other pools, um, they don't have a list like that. I mean, yeah. most of them, you know, if there's a list that's in the spring and it clears out by the fall. So I'm shocked. Um, I'm going to get in like with high expectations that something's going to happen. It's going to be like nothing. Just yeah, like here's your pool pass. I need to know what's different about that pool. I mean, it, it is location, but they're all kind of spread out. But um, for me, it's like a block from my house. I can walk to it. That's the main reason. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe they need to set up like a, you have to live within a certain area or something. Cause, I mean, because all the pools are in heavily residential areas, but it's just wow, just mind blown. So, um, you know, in, being in your neighborhood, you, we don't have HOAs around here because we're, most of our 
homes are older. Um, do y'all, you're not in Amberwood, right? No, I'm, I'm not in Amberwood. I live on Briar Lake. Okay. So do y'all have, y'all have like social events in your neighborhood? I I think at the pool. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I know. That's why everybody's at the pool. That's why everybody's at the pool. Um, you know, so we kind of talked about this idea, uh, when we went to the NAREP gala, me, you and Cassidy, um, because our area, you know, we're not a city. So we don't have like a city planning events and whatnot. And we're really kind of the leftover areas of a lot of places. So some of the other areas around us have like Tucker's got some stuff. Um, you know, we talked about maybe trying to put together some kind of annual thing. I'll see if I'm putting this on the podcast so that it's sort of like an accountability thing. I don't great. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but it'll be interesting to, again to kind of see if we could do like an annual barbecue or, or something like yeah, that. I think I, I committed my mom to make something. Well, so, you know, kind of tying back into my first episode, we talked a lot about young leadership. You're young, you're under 40. Yes. Um, and I like how you asked that. It was kind of like telling me, but then also a question like you weren't quite sure. Yes, I'm glad we're not on camera so you couldn't see my face. <laughs> um, so tying into young leadership, you know, we've got our area has got undergone like a huge demographic change age wise. Um, so as as home homes are turning over, a lot of you know younger people have moved in. Um, and so we're trying to create a community and like get togethers for us and our, our families. But again, everybody's kind of busy with, they got kids, they have work, you know, usually two job household. Um, and yeah, it'd be cool if we can figure out some way to kind of do that. So you also shared, you know, before we started a mention of the grind can be hard on you mentally, physically, all of it. Um, and, and, you know, self care is, become a somewhat of a buzzword and a hot topic the last couple of years. And when you were out there busting your, your ass <laughs> doing all this stuff, um, did you struggle with that? Uh, so when I first started at state farm, look, I, I've, I've worked and grinded, uh, since 16, I've had a job, you know, a couple of jobs while going through college. Uh, but having the challenge of opening your own business is a different stress. You know, there's several stresses that you handle and deal with. And being newly married, living in a city you don't know, it's just, it's just a lot of stresses you don't have. So uh, at the time, I stopped working out. I was so focused on my business. And I started having, uh, I don't think I drank a lot. Maybe I drank a lot, I don't know. But I, I started getting a lot of uh, anxieties and dealing with some somewhat depression and really going down a spiral, uh, not really showing it, but just struggling internally. And uh, I saw somebody, my wife encouraged me to go see a doctor. So they gave me a bunch of medicines, like uh, ADD medicine and depression medicine. And I felt great. On that. <laughs> it, it was fantastic. You were but always on cloud nine. <laughs> I was always on cloud nine. But like it really didn't under, uh, address the underlying issue, right? Like at the end of the world, at, at the end of the day, I was in a bad spot. I was depressed. I had a lot of anxiety. I was taking medicine to cover it up. I really wasn't fixing the problem. So... I jumped in the mortgage industry, and this has no knock on on the uh, the insurance or State Farm or whatever. Like, th- this can happen in, in anything that you're your own business owner and you're kind of like on an island of your own. And you, I, I looking back, there's things I could have done better to better address it. Uh, but you know, I mean, I made the transition to mortgage, and, and one of uh, when I first made the transition, I went to a uh, what do you call it? A convention, a conference, mm-hmm. and Tony Robbins was speaking. And Tony Robbins is very big about emotion. What does he say? Emotion? No. Action. Something about being active. Something about if he's he's very active. He's very uh, throwing his arms up in the air. Very. 
animated animated and, right, know, right right energetic energetic i mean he's, he's always throwing his arms up you know and he talked about like how he would help athletes uh uh, deal with this, this, the psychological challenges they had. But the biggest thing I took away from that is like, I have to work out daily. So I made a commitment to start working out daily and uh, my choice of work, everybody has different workouts, whether it be Zumba. Spin. Yeah. I, I find that's the, the way to make it successful. It's just like with work, make it something you enjoy. Like for me, it was, it's largely been mountain biking. Right. I find that more enjoyable than pumping weights. And, and mountain biking here in Georgia is awesome because right? we have some good hills. It's very beautiful. So for me, my uh, my choice of poison, I call it workout poison because it's some, <laughs> anyways, uh, is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I started doing that every morning at 7 a.m. And I no longer need the medicines. I lost the depression. I lost the anxiety. For me, it was just being able to take time to myself and work out. Um, I lost about 40 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. I lost a lot of weight. Uh, I, I stuck with it. I, I started training at nights. I got uh, better, of course. When you do something, you get better at it. Uh, but I, I, I recognize that, and I, and I tell this to anybody listening to this now, I, I talked about this yesterday with somebody, is that you need and you have to carve out time for yourself every day. Because if not, then why are you doing it, right? Right. Like you're going to put somebody else's time uh, as more valuable than to your own. Like we, I want to be there for my clients. If you sent me, hypothetically, if I did loans, right, and you sent me a client, I want to be available for you or them all the time. But I should also be available for myself. So uh, at the time, my, self, my personal time was uh, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. every morning. So that way I can still do all my stuff and everything's fine, right? Now I'm at the point where my personal time is from 7.30 to 9. If anybody needs me between those hours, I can call them back. Yeah. Right. You know, it's a great thing I sort of say, because I set hours with my clients. Like, right. you know, I go to bed at 930. Should. It's like there is no emergency that's going to happen with your deal at one in the morning. I guarantee you, you know, because the truth is, even if I'm awake to deal with this, you know, the mortgage lender isn't the closing attorney isn't, you know, we will handle it and get it resolved. Um, and, and I have clients that are completely fine because we never have those issues happen. But sometimes I hear other people talk about, oh, yeah, I love my agent because when I was freaking out at 1 a.m. I could call them and they'd reply. And I would just be like, you know, apparently your agent didn't close you, you know, they didn't make you feel comfortable enough, you know, the rest of the time. Um, so, but at the same time, your agent didn't have personal time because right. <laughs> you were calling at 1 a.m. for something that couldn't even be resolved. Yeah, I think that's really important in any industry you're in. Um, I, I'd always try to find time to work out like between stuff through the majority of my life. But when I really dedicated that time as my scheduled appointments to myself, uh, my my life really changed. My uh, my business got better. I made more money. I felt better. I was in better health. Like everything, my life turned around. Everything was better. Isn't it funny how that happens? Yeah. It's, it, everything is interconnected. I mean, and again, it, I think it goes back to what we say, you've been saying from the beginning is you just have to make the decision to do it mm -hmm. and you have to apply it every day or on a regular basis and over time you reach what you want to do. And there, there was a book I read that really pushed me to do it. Oh, what's the name of the book? Is what was about, the premise of it? I'm, I might know. So I, the last name of the author is Grover. He was Michael Jordan's uh, coach. Okay. I didn't read it. Relentless. I'm not a big sports guy. You're, clearly. <laughs> you have an arcade room. <laughs> oh, call me out. Yeah, you like playing Ninja Turtles, though. It was fun. Uh, it's, the book is called Relentless. You should definitely read it. Write it down. Relentless? Sure. Relentless by Grover. I think his name is Tim Grover. He was Michael Jordan's strength and conditioning coach. Um, and this was back like when the Jordan come out and play in the 80s. 
Maybe 90s. Maybe 90s. 80s and 90s. I think late 80s or the 90s. At that time, strength and conditioning like wasn't popular in basketball. So he pushed strength and conditioning on Michael Jordan. Anyways, the biggest thing I took away from the book is when you start working out or you start doing something new, it's you're going to be sore. It's going to be hard. You're going to want to quit probably after two or three days because you're sore and tired. And the book just taught me, like, just keep doing it. Yeah. Just keep showing up. Yeah, I think so many people, no matter what they're doing, whether it's business or personal, it's like they, they want to try it one time and they didn't see the results they wanted. So why why? Keep or going. maybe even in their head, they're like, you know what? I did this twice. I could do it. I don't need to do yeah. it. I could. And they just kind of talk themselves out of it. And look, even, even to this day, I, I try to wake up. I'm a one-year-old, so it's hard for me to sleep now. <laughs> I try to wake up early and go work on the morning. It's more challenging for me. But the, the biggest takeaway of the book is just show up. Uh, you don't have to be the best. You don't have to be going to CrossFit and lift the most weights that day. Just show up. Just do like something. Yeah. Just keep showing up every day. Uh, another good author or book, I don't know the name of the book, but uh, Tom Hardy? No, is that the guy's name? He wrote the book, Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. Something else. I've, I'm surprised that you're spouting these books I've never heard of. How you, have you never heard of Entrepreneur never, Roller Coaster? I saw you looking at my bookshelf to I see know. if it was over there. And you have really good books and you don't have the Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. Never so heard of it. This guy is super famous, writes a lot of good books. I'm Googling Entre. There's probably people on this podcast like just shaking their head at us. I know they're either that they're like, damn, Chris doesn't read books, does he? You know, kind of so interesting, interesting idea. Darren Hardy. Darren Hardy? You've never heard of Darren Hardy? No. Dude, write Darren Hardy down. So Darren Hardy wrote this book and I saw him speak and he is an amazing, he, uh, he's an amazing speaker. He has a, a daily podcast, like it's 30 seconds long or 60 seconds long, a day, daily devotional where he texts you every day a video of him talking about a topic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So one thing I was going to say about this, though, so we have mentioned books. Books are great, but I think a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this myself, like even with this podcast, like I've been building my equipment slowly for four years. Like I just need another piece before I can make it actually happen. And then I just said, you know what? I just, I'm never going to do it if I keep doing it that way. Um, but a lot of people do books because books are planning, right? And, and it's good to maybe read them to get inspiration. Obviously, they've helped you. I know that they've helped me in my business as well. But I think sometimes people overly rely on books and they don't ever act from that book. It's like when That's we do true. a real estate class, right? Um, I'm teaching one um, in March at the Atlanta Realtor Association with a friend of mine. And I mean, I'm going to say to my class, you know, I'm giving away my, the secrets to my business and I'm going to say it to the people because I know that none of y'all are going to you know, implement this in your business. So I'm not scared to share it with you. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully that gets one, somebody to do it. But um you know, the difference is doing that act, acting on it and Excellent. starting and doing it again right. and then again until and, and it becomes a habit. Um, what is there a book that of these two that particularly did that to you? So that's what I was getting at. Darren Hardy. He wrote this book called The Compound Effect. Oh, I have that. It's in here somewhere. Actually, a, a partner of mine, my very first lending partner um, gave it to me as like a, a gift after our first closing. So, so you, you have a book by Darren Hardy, great book. He talks about like just one step at a time. And he talked about having this girl in his office that uh, wandered in a marathon, but she was kind of overweight. Uh, she was kind of overweight and uh, couldn't really run a block. So he challenged her like, you know what? Let's just try to walk a block a week. And then the next week, a second block. And the next week, the third block. And, and over time, just compounded, she ended up running a marathon. Yeah. Well, because anything's possible with timing. 
and doing and, it over and taking so. one step at a time. And it was, it's a really interesting book, uh, but it, it kind of talks about we all try to do that big thing and we don't do that big thing. So we don't ever execute. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a big problem. And it's really what got me to finally push this. Um, you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time for all the people that I know talking about tough subjects like uh, solar and, and EV uh, electric vehicles. Um, and, and again, you know, I'm not immune to it either. There's still things cause right. I was making an excuse. My business is doing really well and I need to focus on that. And this is a pet project or I need the right mics or I need the right earphones yes. or I need the right editing software or I need the right internet. Like, there's a lot of co components that and I've like had most of it this whole time. It's just the thing missing was the creation, the actual like pushing the record button. And calling people like you. And I was just saying, having guest speakers come to your house and do a podcast. I will eventually do a couple episodes where it's just me talking, but I figure that it's a little, that seems weird. A little, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Um, anyway, so I wanted to give you guys a shout out. So one thing, uh, again, about creating that you and Cassidy have been awesome with. So I want to encourage any other real estate people in the area who aren't familiar with you to, to connect. Um, we have highlighted and featured some of my listings we've made videos together you guys actually helped me film uh, a series of videos about um, green homes and solar and we talked about you know valuation and you know different aspects of it and again just trying to raise people's awareness of it um, and i know that other agents you work with you know you've highlighted their listings done a tour reach out to rick and so rick i know y'all you're on social media what's the best way to reach you uh through Facebook Messenger, but I think if you're not connecting me on Facebook, it goes to that like black hole Facebook Messenger. So email rick.guerrero at usmortgage.com. I'm sure you can add a link in. Yeah, I'll, I'll add it in the uh, Probably in the email notes. is the best way, uh, only because in this day and age, I get so many calls from random numbers that I had to stop picking them up. Oh, really? I, so many robocalls these days. Yes. But. Well, I, I love that we've almost hit an hour, which is amazing. So, so we definitely about, have a lot more to talk about. We're about a quarter into the podcast. Yeah, we're, we're, we're <laughs> just into the quarter and right after this break. So, but no, I, I, this is only the second episode. We will have many more. I love to have you come back and uh, follow it up later in the year. And hopefully at that point, we'll be able to say, hey, look how the podcast has grown, right? Those step by step. But anyway, so Rick Guerrero, check him out on Facebook. Are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram, yeah. Okay. I'm not as active on Instagram. Facebook's where okay, I'm Okay, do Facebook. Look them up. Yeah. I'll, I'll tag them on Facebook. Even on LinkedIn. Place. I'm on LinkedIn. Oh, LinkedIn. Yes. You know, that's a real powerful social media now. They're, they're all very powerful depending on how you use them. But yeah, LinkedIn is really starting to evolve uh, more than what it used to be. It used to be just a place to like look at people's resumes. Yes. Degree, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I've even been on a radio show recently because of uh, a connection on there. So wow, that's awesome. uh, do, the, do uh, LinkedIn. That's another one. Do just do and create. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to having you back. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, well thank you for listening to What the FUD and we'll see you next time.